My second best conference in the country. It is the conference where we saw our national champion come out of last season in UConn. I don't have this conference as the best conference in the country strictly because the back end is so weak, whereas the SEC, the Big 12, it's a little stronger at the back of the pack. But I have the Big East as my second best conference in the country, and I have three top five teams in the Big East coming out of this conference. They are my top tier. It's Marquette at three in the country, UConn at four, and Creighton at five, falling one, two, and three in the Big East standings. After that, at number four in a tier below, I have St. John's at 12 in the country, a lot higher than most, and Villanova at 21, fifth in this conference. They are, however, the only five teams that I have making the NCAA tournament. Last year, the Big East was very top-heavy. You had three teams receiving a four-seater better, four teams receiving a six-seater better, but just five teams making the NCAA tournament, and Providence was in at an 11. I think the top is even stronger than it was last season, despite them having a national champion in UConn, but I do think this will again just be a five-bid league as I see a pretty big drop-off between the top five and the next two. I have Providence as my second team out, and then Seton Hall as my eighth team out. Both of those teams on the bubble outside looking in. My next tier is Xavier and Butler, and then my final tier bringing up the back of this conference is Georgetown and DePaul. But let's start with who I have as the champion. It is Shaka Sparts, Marquette, Golden Eagles, who made it to the round of 32 last year, but were a two seed. These fans, Marquette, gave me a lot of shit last season after I took Vermont to upset them. Thought maybe Vermont played a style of basketball and Marquette the same that was conducive to a potential upset occurring. Wasn't close. Let the Marquette faithful know, congratulations for dancing on winning over a 15 seed, as you should. You're going to lose in the next round to Mr. March. What do they do? Lose in the next round to Mr. March. But bring back everyone except their third leading scorer from a nine-man rotation a year ago. Very similar to Texas A&M, who I have winning the SEC. Returns the exact same thing. But Marquette had a little bit more regular season success and tournament success last year. They still just have two seniors on the roster, despite bringing back everything. Their scorer that was gone was Oliver Maxence Prosper, averaged 12.5, five boards a game a season ago. Cam Jones was the leader for this team, 15 points, about four rebounds, a steal and a half a game. Tyler Kolick, second leading scorer, a vocal player to say the least, averaged 13, seven and a half assists, over four boards, nearly two steals, and he shot at 40% from three. Although Cam Jones is the leading scorer, Kolek in his distributing, shooting, and scoring certainly leads this team. Also inside, have 11 and 6 rebound a game guy back as well. And then a couple 7, 9 point per game scores in Stevie Mitchell and David Joplin that should start for this team. Joplin shot at 40% last year. They only bring in freshmen. No transfers replace what was lost, but this is a team with a ton of continuity That was 7th in offensive efficiency a year ago. The defensive end is where they were more susceptible. Just 43rd. They'll try to be better on that end this season. I think that's what is the difference in whether or not this team's a title team. They can no doubt score. Can they defend at a high enough clip 
to be able to win a national title in Shaka Smart's third year. Definitely a program more suited for him in that Marquette, of course, just focused on basketball at Texas. That wasn't necessarily the case. Marquette, I think, can make a Final Four this upcoming season and perhaps win a national title. UConn, Dan Hurley in his sixth year, coming off the title in his fifth season. They do lose their two leading scorers, though. Jordan Hawkins to the pros. Adama Sanoga. Hawkins averaged 16 points, shot at 39% from three, could fill it up from outside, and also pretty athletic as well. Sanogo inside, 18 points. Eight boards a game, shot over 60% from the floor. Definitely some big losses, but their third through fifth leading scorers are all back. Tristan Newton averaged double figures last year. Also nearly five rebounds and assists to go along with it. Alex Caraban shot it over 40% from three, averaged nine points a game, four and a half rebounds. He's back. And then Donovan Klingon is who should take the biggest jump, assuming he can withstand the minutes and stay out of foul trouble. Just played 13 minutes a game last year, but in those 13 minutes, averaged seven points in five and a half boards. If you just double those numbers out, if he's exactly as useful as he was last year, but with double the playing time, that's a guy averaging 14 and 11 in three and a half blocks to go along with it. A beast on the interior at seven foot two that will take a jump, and you won't feel like there's that big a loss between Sonogo and Klingon, although it was nice to have Klingon as a reserve when Sonogo stepped out. Andre Jackson Jr. did all the little things. A threat to get a triple-double seemingly every night. Averaged 7.6 boards, 5 assists last year. Joey Calcaterra, Naheem Aline, two five six-point-a-game guys. Calcaterra, a great shooter, that are also gone. So five of the top eight have left, but you bring back four guys that average 13 or more points a minutes a game on a national title team. Two of those guys, main contributors, and one in Klingon should take the leap, no problem. Cam Spencer is the biggest transfer in, the only transfer in out of Rutgers. Averaged 13 points, four boards, three assists, two steals. Shot at 43% from three, a very good guard replacement to say the least. And then four top 100 freshmen are in, two of them inside the top 35 and one inside the top 15. Stefan Castle is the 12th ranked recruit in the country. Solo ball at 33, Jalen Stewart at 95, and Jaden Ross at number 84. Those four freshmen alongside Spencer and the three returners, along with Diara, who played role minutes, I think that's a solid enough nine-man rotation to get UConn back to the Final Four, and I don't see much of a drop-off for this Dan Hurley team, although no, they're not as deep and experienced as they were last year. Creighton is who I have at five, made the Elite Eight, lost in dramatic fashion in that Elite Eight game to San Diego State. They probably would have been favored in that next one to go to the national title against Florida Atlantic. They could have returned their entire rotation, but Ryan Nimhard and Arthur Kaluma elected to transfer to Gonzaga and Kansas State. A bit of a shocker. Both those guys averaged 12 points a game. Kaluma six boards, Nimhard four boards and five assists. Big losses, but they bring in Stephen Ashworth out of Utah State. Averaged 16 points, four and a half steals, nearly three and a half rebounds, and shot at 43.5% from three. That will be a great guard to replace the losses of Nimhard and Kaluma. Also, Jonathan Lawson out of Memphis played role minutes for them, about 16 minutes a game. And then Isaac Trout 
was a good recruit at Virginia but didn't get to see the floor redshirted last year that will look to see time for Creighton. But the three returners that are back are their three leading scorers. Ryan Kalkbrenner, 16 points, six boards a game at seven foot one. At that size, able to stay out of foul trouble enough to play over 32 minutes a night is incredible. Two blocks a game. He's so good at going just vertical, straight up. Kalkbrenner's fantastic at it. And when you're seven one, that's a bit of a problem when you're driving on the interior. Baylor Shireman, South Dakota State transfer, 13 points, 8 boards, 3 assists, shot at 36% from 3 last year. Very versatile and can almost play the point guard position with his vision, yet a great rebounder at his size. Trey Alexander, Heritage Hall, Oklahoma product, averaged 14 points, 4 boards, 2.5 assists, shot at 41% from 3. We should see his playmaking even more this season with the loss of Nimhard who was the primary ball handler. I watched Trey Alexander as a freshman in high school in Oklahoma win the state title, defeat a defending state champ who had two D1s and a D2 guy that's still playing that averaged averaged 17 points a game last year in D2, and Alexander was able to beat them as a freshman nearly by himself. I knew right then that he would be special took over in that second half. I didn't know he'd be so good that he's a potential All-American candidate this season. Behind that trio and Ashworth coming in with a couple other transfers, I think Creighton is even better than who they were last year. Had a rough non-conference start, but then hit their stride in Big East play, went 14-6 and last year, and then made it to the Elite Eight. McDermott finally getting over that second weekend hump. I think this team's a borderline Final Four team. I would have this team potentially, as my preseason one, I would maybe have them behind Purdue and Duke. It'd be close. If Nimhard and Kaluma were back, wish they ran everyone back, but those guys opted to transfer. A team that was once young is now veteran as these guys have grown and improved in their career. Number five, Creighton. At number 12 in the country, I have St. John's. Fourth in the Big East, I have Rick Bettino in his first season. Mike Anderson gone after four years, much, much higher than the majority of college basketball. And I get why you wouldn't put this team high. There's so little continuity. Only bring back one leading scorer from their nine-man rotation. But Joel Soriano did average a double-double. Six-foot-eleven senior, 15 points, 12 boards a game, nearly a block and a half last year in the Big East. Great job by Patino to keep him. Gone's the entire rest of the rotation, but it's what he brought in. I understand you've got to make these pieces mesh nearly instantly, and that's going to be so difficult with how many pieces have to come together. But boy, are they talented pieces, similar to Musbus, who I've got 13 at Arkansas. It's just this roster is too loaded for me to not make this team a second weekend team. Denise Jenkins, Played for Coach Patino at Iona the last few years. Averaged 16 points, four and a half boards, five assists, a steal and a half a game. Shot at 36% from three. I watched this team play, I think, three times last year. And all the talk was about Walter Clayton in terms of nationally, who's the best player on this team. I was most impressed with Denis Jenkins. At 23, 10, and 5, at Maris, was lethal in the mid-range. He can score at all three levels, and he's fantastic, I think better than Clayton, at creating for his teammates. Love 
Dinesh Jenkins game. Jordan Dingle transfers in from Penn, 23 and a half points a game. Watch him go for 33 on 11 of 17 at Columbia. Then when he played a much better Princeton team, he really struggled. So how will he do in the step up and competition? But this guy can put it in the hole. No problem, clearly. 23.5 points a game last year. Chris Ledlam out of Harvard in. Averaged 19 points, 8.5 boards on a really down Harvard team. Nearly two steals and over a block a game as well. Good defender. RJ Luis out of UMass. Averaged 12 points, 4.5 boards for Frank Martin's squad. Naheem Aline will have a national championship ring on his finger coming into this program. Averaged 5 points last year on that national title team at UConn. I, they don't stop there. I'm still going. Glenn Taylor, 12 points a game, double-figure scorer at Oregon State. Also, Sean Conway averaged 12-5 and five at VMI. Cruz Davis was a role guy last year for Coach Patino at Iona, but was just a freshman and was really improving till he got hurt. Average six and a half points a game last year should help the back end of this rotation. And then Zuby Ejiofor barely saw the floor at Kansas, but played five minutes a game and was a former top-notch recruit. We'll try to see the floor for Patino's squad. And then two top 100 recruits. Bradley Dunlap, 90th ranked recruit in the country. Simeon Wilcher, 28th ranked recruit in the country. So I just listed off nine very impactful transfers. At least you could say, you know, six of them were extremely impactful last season. Two top 100 freshmen, and you bring back a double-double guy at 15 and 12 in the Big East. There is too much talent on this St. John's roster. Rick Bettino, newsflash, knows how to coach basketball. I think this is a second weekend roster, even in his first season. Exciting to see Queens fired up about their basketball, and hopefully Patino can have some success. I have them 12th in the country. At number 21, I have Villanova, Kyle Neptune, an abysmal year last year. Let's just say it. Coming off a Final Four, no, not everyone was healthy. You lost a couple guys, but still a decent amount of that core was back to make the NCAA tournament, yet you lose in the first round of the NIT at Liberty. Had to be somewhat embarrassing. They will be extremely veteran this year. All five starters are either seniors or redshirt seniors, at least those projected starters. They bring back only two of their top five, so you may be wondering why I'm high on this team. Caleb Daniels, Cam Whitmore, Brandon Slater, all about 10 to 14 point a game guys that chipped in five rebounds as well are gone. Justin Moore, though, is back. Was their third leading scorer a year ago, but missed a ton of time. 21 games coming off the Achilles tear in that final four. Averaged 13 and a half, three and a half boards, three assists. He may have torn the Achilles in the Elite Eight. I can't remember. But then Eric Dixon back inside, 15 and a half and six and a half boards. It's the three transfers that Neptune went out and got that should start right away. Why I'm a believer in this team. Tyler Burton, got to watch him at Richmond. About the only main contributor for that team. They struggled last year, but he didn't. Averaged 19 and seven and a half. Hakeem Hart is in out of Maryland, averaged 11.5-4 and four in the ACC. And then TJ Bomb out of Washington State, averaged 16-4 and four in the Pac-12, also shot at 37% from three. Those are three big-time transfers that should plug into the starting lineup 
right away. Two five-point-a-game guys are back in Jordan Longino and Mark Armstrong. And then Lance Ware played roll minutes inside for Kentucky, two and two in 10 minutes of contest. Whole transfer in. Chris Archidiacono, not a big scorer, but runs the offense pretty well. He played 22 minutes and will be back. That is a very solid, in my eyes, eight-man rotation. Neptune should be so much better this year, and he will need to be to make the Villanova fans happy after last year's awful season. I've got Villanova at number 21, a sixth seed, and fifth in this conference. Providence is who I have significantly below Nova. I have Kim English's team missing the NCAA tournament, my second team out of the field. I got to watch Coach English at St. Bonaventure. Very intense man and knows how to coach offense. Every single TV timeout, they would be stepping over and be running up plays for what are we going to run coming out of this to put a bucket in the hole and get some momentum. But my concern is what all this team lost, five of their top seven gone. And Coach Inglis essentially said, hey, come on, George Mason, guys. I know we got fifth in the A-10 last year. I know I had a down year the year before that. But hey, let's run it in the Big East and have some success. I'm a little shocked as to how overrated this team is in my eyes, and I don't think they'll make the NCAA tournament. Devin Carter is back, though. 13 points, five boards a game, their third leading scorer. Also, two steals and over a block a game at six foot three. Bryce Hopkins inside, 16 points, eight and a half rebounds a game last year. Those are two of the main pieces back, a couple. 11, 10-minute-a-game guys and Jaden Pierre and Corey Floyd Jr. are also back but didn't play big roles last season. The transfers, Josh Odoro inside, averaged 15.5 and 8 in the Atlantic 10. And then ticket gains averaged 7 and 6. Justin Fernandez played role minutes on a George Mason team last year. And then Garway Duell, a 44th-ranked recruit in the country, is in. That, to me... Not enough talent on the roster to be an NCAA tournament team in Kim English's first season at Providence, taking over after Ed Cooley left after 12 years to Georgetown. I just don't think a George Mason team with two of your top seven back on a team that was an 11 seed a year ago is going to make the NCAA tournament. I have Providence as my second team out of the field. Shaheen Holloway in his second season got the job at Seton Hall after St. Peter's improbable run to the Elite Eight, ranked number 76, my eighth team out and seventh in this Big East. He brings back three of his top four leading scores, but that's pretty much it from their nine to ten man rotation last year. Kadari Richmond averaged double figures, ten a game, five boards, four assists. 44% three-point shooter and also two steals. Alamir Dawes averaged 12.5 last year, shot at 38% from three. And then Dre Davis was a near double-figure guy at 9.5. He shot at 41% from three. So a lot of good shooters are back. Like I mentioned, they do lose, though, six of the other top nine, but three of the top four back. Transfers that are in. St. John's transfer averaged nine points, four and a half boards. An Austin P transfer averaged 11 and a half and five and a half has some size at six foot 11. And then they had a double figure score at six foot 10 out of Santa Clara. Averaged 11 points, but not an effective rebounder at his size, just three and a half boards a game. I don't think there's enough talent back 
for a team that went just one game above 500 last year at 17 and 16. Yes, three of the top four are back, but losing that those rotational guys in the transfers are okay, but not great. I see Seton Hall being on the outside looking in come NCAA tournament time, seventh in the Big East. Dropping a tier, Xavier, I think will be significantly worse this year. I would have this team as an NCAA tournament team, I believe, if Zach Fremantle and Jerome Hunter were back healthy. But because it looks like they'll miss the entire season, that causes Xavier to lose each of their first six leading scorers. Fremantle, a big loss at 15-8. and eight. Jerome Hunter averaged eight and four and a half. Those guys healthy, I'd be looking at this team differently with what Coach Miller did in the transfer portal and on the recruiting trail. Two top 100 recruits are in. Dalen Swain ranked 96th and Trey Green ranked 59th. Both of those guys freshmen. North Texas transfer averaged 11 and six. We'll of course know how to play defense. Davion McKnight out of Western Kentucky averaged 16 and a half, five four, and two steals as well. Quincy Oliveri out of Rice averaged 19 points and six boards a game. Those three transfers are really solid if Hunter and Fremantle were healthy, but problem is they are not. Because of that, a bunch of freshmen or sophomores that saw limited minutes last year will have to contribute right away. So I see Xavier being significantly worse in Sean Miller's second season, have them eighth in the Big East, and even a tier below Seton Hall and Providence. At number nine, I have Butler, Thad Mott in his second year, looking for a better season. They lost everyone except their sixth leading scorer, Jalen Thomas, fifth-year senior, averaged seven points, five boards a game last year, but four double-figure scorers, five guys that averaged eight or more, all out of the program. The transfers that they brought in, double-figure guy at St. John's and Posh Alexander, 10 points, 4 boards, 4 assists, 2 steals as well. DJ Davis averaged 15 last season, shot at over 40% from 3. At UC Irvine, Jamal Telfort inside at Northeastern, 16 points, 4.5 boards a game, and then Landon Moore at St. Francis PA averaged 13, 3.5 assists as well. Last transfer is Andre Screen out of Bucknell, 11 points, five and a half boards a game. Sorry, I forgot to mention Pierre Brooks. Played role minutes last year, 15 minutes a game at Michigan State. Love the transfers along with the top 100 recruit in the country at exactly 100 in Finley Bazak. But losing so much of your rotation, I don't have high hopes for this Butler team. Have them ninth exactly where they finished last year. In my final two tiers, I have Georgetown at 10th. Patrick Ewing let go after six seasons. He saved himself for just one more year after making the NCAA tournament, that crazy run in the conference tournament to get to the big dance as a 12 seed. But last year they were awful yet again. Seven wins on the season, two conference wins to 18 losses, and they lose their two leading scorers, seven of their top eight. Only double-figure guy back, Jay Heath, averaged 12 points, four boards a game. Coach Cooley brought in some solid transfers. Supreme Cook at Fairfield, 13-9, and nearly a double-double guy. Also a Kansas State transfer, played 15 minutes a game, can shoot the three very well. And Ishmael Moussaud at 42%, average five and a half points. Dontrez Styles didn't really get to see the floor much in North Carolina, just six minutes a game. And then Jaden Epps, 
also in, averaged nine and a half last year, and Rowan Brumbaugh, a former top 100 recruit out of Texas, that redshirted last season. So although there's some decent transfers, not many guys that were too productive a season ago, Epps averaged nine and a half at Illinois, forgot to mention where he came from. Um, I think Georgetown will be a little bit better under Cooley, might win more than a couple games, but I've got him at 10th, nowhere near a tournament team and absolutely in this last tier. Tony Stubblefield in Nepal, he's in his third season. I have them 11th. Really bad season last year, 3-17 and 17 in the Big East, and then he loses four of his top five leading scorers to not have much hope for this season. Deshaun Nelson, main contributor back at 10 points, five boards a game, some transfers, and Chico Carter out of South Carolina, average double figures, shot at 48% from three. Eliza Fisher was a role guy at Texas Tech. Mac Etienne, another role guy, just saw seven minutes a game at UCLA. Jaden Henley at Minnesota, averaged six points, uh, two boards a game. Jeremiah Oden was a double-figure guy at just 10 points at Wyoming, so it's not like he brought in a ton of talent. I thought the transfers were way better last year than this squad that he brought in this year, so I think DePaul will be even worse than they were a season ago when they went 10-23, and 3-17 and 17 in the Big East. Can someone eventually develop something at DePaul? I'd love for Stubblefield to have success in Chicago, but I don't see it happening this year with the lack of talent on this roster relative to the rest of the conference. Winning this league, I have the Marquette Golden Eagles with bringing back eight of their top nine. I love continuity in college basketball, and Shaka's got to be fired up with what his team could do this year. UConn defending national champs I have at four, and they could make it back to the final four and perhaps contend for a title as well. Creighton I have at five and third in this conference, bringing back so much of their core Their three leading scorers back, along with Ashworth, the Utah State transfer, they'll continue to be really good. St. John's, I have as supremely underrated relative to the national media. I've got them at 12. And then Villanova at number 21 is my last NCAA tournament team for this Big East with Providence and Seton Hall be on the outside looking in of the bubble. Can't wait for Big East basketball. It is my favorite Power Six conference because of the lack of football in this league. Everyone's bought in for one thing and one thing only, college basketball. Cannot get enough Big East action, and it should be as exciting as it's ever been in the Big East this year with, in my opinion, three top five teams in the country.